this episode, I'm delighted to be joined by Kate Carmichael, a highly experienced HR and OD professional who is a certified Healers Organisation Practitioner. Now that sounds an intriguing title, doesn't it? Welcome, Kate, and thank you for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me. It's great to be here. We're really excited to have you with us, and we are very curious to hear more about what exactly a Healers Organisation Practitioner does. So, Kate, um, I wonder if we could start off with you telling our listeners exactly what a certified fearless organization practitioner is and what led you to become one. So I suppose the first thing to mention is that word fearless organization. The term is a nod to the best selling book, The Fearless Organization, oh, which yeah. explores how we can create psychological safety in the workplace. Okay. So I've been certified to deliver something called the Fearless Organization Scan, which helps organizations measure and improve their psychological safety. Mm -hmm. Our main focus is the team construct. So how safe does it feel in a team and as a team? So what's led me to do this? I suppose um, when I think about the best places and the worst places I've ever worked in, you know, the ones that just stick with me, um, either for the highs or lows, it always seems to come back to psychological safety. Okay. You know, whether people had the voice, whether that they could share what they really think, like different views or bad news, whether they could have the difficult conversations, how much they really trusted each other, mm -hmm. um, what happens when someone made a mistake or said something no one else wanted to hear. And so much of that, that ability to have that great dialogue and be your full self comes down to how safe people feel. Thanks so much for clarifying that, Kate. And thank you also for making the link to um, psychological safety. And, and I think psychological safety is absolutely a term that many of our listeners will have heard about. But mm -hmm. in order to debunk any myths, um, it would be great to hear a bit more from you about the origins of, of psychological safety. So I guess a couple of, sort of questions for you initially. Who's pioneering this? And when did it actually become important? So the main pioneer that I think of immediately is Amy Edmondson. Yeah. She has played a fundamental role in this. And for any listeners who don't know of Amy, um, she is a Novartis professor of leadership and management at Harvard University. Mm -hmm. And she's only just gone and won the number one ranking on Thinkers 50 Global Ranking of Management Thinkers. Wow. She's made her life's work studying teaming, psychological safety, and organizational learning. And that book I mentioned a few moments ago, The Fearless Organization, is mm. her most recent book. You were saying, when did it become important? Yeah. And to be fair, it's not a new concept. Even in the 1960s, there was another person we should know about, probably Edgar Sheen. He's a former MIT Sloan professor. Mm -hmm. He and uh, another person, Warren Bennis, were talking about how psychological safety was absolutely critical if we want people to be able to be capable of changing their behaviors. Right. So they saw that that was a precursor. But I, I think it's now gaining more and more momentum and more and more leaders and organizations are starting to recognize how far reaching the impact is. Um, Google, for instance, did a study in 2012 mm -hmm. called Project Aristotle. Yeah. And I think that's been really instrumental in getting the concepts more widely known and accepted. Have you heard of Project Aristotle? I have actually, yes. And uh, I'm actually currently reading the Fearless Organization. And uh, obviously, there's quite a few references to the, the project in that as well, which has been great to hear a bit more about. Oh, fantastic. Yes. So um, Google doesn't do things by halves. So this project, they studied hundreds of teams in the organization 
They wanted to try to figure out why some teams did amazing things while others floundered and failed to deliver. Mm. And what they discovered was that psychological safety was the number one predictor. That if, if you could spot that there were high levels of psychological safety, you could have fairly high confidence that that team was going to perform. Mm. So um, one of the, the things that I picked out actually when I've been um, reading the book, and I think you've actually just reinforced it. So there is an important message here for me, um, and that is that psychological safety is not a perk, um, but actually it's essential to producing high performance. So have I sort of picked that up right? Oh, absolutely. Yes, it is important. I mean, because what it comes down to is it's a belief that a person's not going to be punished or humiliated for speaking up with their ideas or questions yeah. or concerns. And with the more than 20 years of research that's been done, it, they've been able to demonstrate that organizations with higher levels of psychological safety perform better on almost every metric or KPI compared to those with low psychological safety. Mm. I wonder if you would mind sharing, Kate, a bit about um, what an organization with a culture of high psychological safety looks and feels like. You know, if I walked into a workplace, you know, that was really fantastic on this front, what, what would it feel like to me? Yeah, great question. So here's, here's a list of descriptors. And I suppose for the listeners, you know, you can kind of see whether or not you can tick all of these various boxes. Mm. That if you make a mistake, it won't be held against you personally. Yeah. That if something is wrong, you can bring it up without it being used against you. Mm -hmm. That it doesn't matter where ideas come from so long as they help the team. Yeah. Um, if you need help, you can ask for it without people being rude about it. Um, you interpret people's actions in the best light. You assume positive intent. Yes. That um, two other things, I suppose. The first is when you change your mind, people will applaud you for your intellectual humility rather than use it against you. Mm -hmm. And then my favorite one I saved for last, and that is when you make a decision, you're going to weigh up what's going to be in the best interest for the whole team mm -hmm. and the individuals on it over what is in your best interest. Yeah. yeah. So those are the kinds of things you'd be seeing. I suppose people and teams who experience a culture of good or high psychological safety are also, you'd be seeing that they're more collaborative, mm -hmm. more creative and innovative, higher per performing and more productive. They'll be um, more engaged. Yeah. Less stressed, less likely to in, um, feel burnout, mm -hmm. less likely to leave because they're more satisfied. Um, they'll be more inclusive, wanting to know what everyone thinks before they move forward. Mm. They'll be really resilient and responsive to and adaptive to change. Um, I suppose some of the other things I was just seeing in an Accenture study was that they'll be learning faster and they'll be more willing to try new skills and apply what they're learning. So, I mean, who wouldn't want all of this? I mean, the words that you've just, um, you know, used and all of the words you've used really uh, depict a perfect workplace, don't they? Where, yeah. um, you know, where the, the, that collaboration is there, as, you, as you've said already, people have a voice, but a, a voice that's listened to and, and different opinions taken. You know, I love yeah. the, the impact it can have on stress and burnout. You know, these are a couple of really massive things in our, you know, current culture. Again, that resilience, um, you know, that everything that you've mentioned there has got such positive connotations and you can absolutely understand how that would then impact on performance. Yeah. Yes. Good. And I, I suppose, you know, those are kind of just general views. Yeah. I, I know of some good companies that are companies and organizations that are trying to do this well or are doing it well that the listeners might recognize. Mm. Um, 
There's one good example, uh, Pixar, yeah. and the now-retired leader, Ed Catmull. They, in case anyone doesn't know, are uh, an animation film studio. They've done like Toy Story and Up and Inside Out. Yeah. And they're attributing their successes and in the innovation to creating psychological safety. Um, when you look at how they're using open communication and really giving honest and tough feedback, mm. they think that that's made all the difference in an industry where 50% of all films um, are not profitable. And what they're doing is trying to have really open, empathetic candor that's focused on the project rather than the people making it. So that yeah. they can tap into, you know, what what's the best thing that we could do, rather than just um, what's, you know, what's going to deliver something okay. Yeah. So I think that's helped them bring really amazing things to the big screen. Undoubtedly, absolutely. Thank you for sharing that. It's always good, I think, to have that sort of, a, you know, um, example of where an organisation has practically, you know, brought it into great benefit. So, um. It's great talking about the the culture of high psychological safety, but let's be honest, not every organisation um, has embraced this. Um, many organisations perhaps still don't know exactly what it is. Conversely, if I'm a leader of an organisation, what might I see um, as a result of low psychological safety within my workplace? So what, what, would, what could I observe where we've got low psychological safety? Hmm. There's some really overt things that you could see, but there's also some more kind of hidden or subversive things. Mm. So some of the open things, you're likely to be experiencing a culture where defensive behaviors are getting displayed. Yeah. Um, staff turnover is going to be high, morale low. You're going to have more cases of burnout and stress-based illness. Yeah. I think in meetings, people won't be asking questions. Mm. I think people will try to place blame on others when something goes wrong. Um, you'll probably have an, an environment where people don't seek or give feedback, Yeah, where the most um, senior people will be dominated con conversations, Okay, and where you're not going to be really hearing different points of view. But if I look past some of those overt signs, you might think you've got a safe environment, mm -hmm. but be confusing safe with comfortable. You know, you can have a team that gets on really well, but it's only because they know and operate by the rules. Like, we don't discuss this. Yeah. or we don't want to rile this person, or we won't ask these questions. And that's where there's almost a myth that we need to bust, that psychological safety isn't about feeling comfortable and only saying nice things. Yeah, It's about holding ourselves and each other accountable so that we feel safe enough to have the uncomfortable conversations. So there are some more subtle indicators. Um, you might be surprised to hear that if people question how fairly and readily we are crediting successes and celebrating others' achievements, mm -hmm whether we're micromanaging and overchecking people's work, yeah. um, whether people are having the same honest conversations in the room that they are quietly behind closed doors, yes. uh, whether people seek someone's approval or input before they act because they're worried they'll get it wrong otherwise, yeah. um, when people back down or backpedal when they're asked to explain why they voiced a certain view, and whether there are double standards in place like if you're higher up in the organization, you can get away with canceling meetings or showing up late or not replying to emails. Yeah. All of those things are also indications that you've got a low psychological safety situation in your company or team. Mm. It's really interesting, Kate, because when you've been speaking about the different looks and feels of high and, and low psychological safety, I mean, I'm, I'm sitting here um, already thinking uh, a number of organizations that I've worked in in the past, I'll come across the you know, 
the psychological safety has been incredibly low and the things that you just mentioned there, gosh, they were playing out all over the place. But I'm also very fortunate now to work in an organisation that personally I feel, you know, there is a high level of psychological safety. And actually the way that we work as a team is, you know, immeasurably better from some of the teams that I've worked with in the past. Oh, I'm so glad to hear that. Yes. So I wonder if you can share with our listeners why should this sort of psychological safety stuff, why should it matter to today's leaders? Yeah, I mentioned it in passing already, but I think it really warrants a repeat to say this message. All of the research shows that poor psychological safety has a very real impact on pretty much every KPI or measure you could throw at me. Yeah. Um, so that certainly should be getting people's attention. The other thing, though, is that some of the biggest risks of low psychological safety that you would presumably want to try to avoid are avoidable failures and dangerous silence. Mm -hmm. So avoidable failures, we're looking at people worrying about making mistakes and doing everything they can to avoiding them including trying to sidestep decisions or taking ownership. Yeah. Uh, and the funny thing is that in those organizations where people are focused on avoiding failures, they actually tend to make more mistakes than those that are focused on, okay, what's the best thing that we can do? Hmm. And likewise, there's that, the risk of dangerous silence where you know people can't speak up because they're afraid that there's going to be some sort of comeback, some sort of retribution. And sadly, some of the greatest problems we've had in recent times with organizations have been because people couldn't or wouldn't speak up. Hmm. I'm interested in just going back to the avoidable um, failures piece, Kate. How does that manifest itself out in, for example, a leader who has high perfectionist tendencies? Hmm. That's, that's a good question. So <laughs> if the leader's got high perfectionist tendencies, what they're probably going to be creating then is a situation of real reliance that individuals will not want to finish up their work until that leader's had a chance to review it. Yeah. Or where when they think that they've done a really good job, that leader is probably going to come in with a red pen yeah. and assume that they're actually adding a lot of value to the situation by tearing apart a document. Yeah. Yeah. And so even though you might end up with something that is uh, is a better product by having done that, you've destroyed the confidence in your people. Yeah. And, and it's interesting because actually, um, you know, from what you're saying as well, the leader has then also added to their own workload. Yes. And what can't get done then as a result? You know, yeah. there's only so many hours in the day and yeah. we're still not allowed to clone ourselves. So something <laughs> else has to give. Absolutely. No, that's really interesting. Thank you. So um, again, let's be sort of really blunt about this. There are some leaders that will be listening today and, and thinking, oh, great, I'm, I'm really good at this. I, this, you know, it sounds like we've got this culture of psychological safety. There will be people that I'm sure think, oh, what is this? Another soft and fluffy initiative. And there will be people that probably have, um, you know, a, perhaps more of a kind of cynical view of psychological safety, which which may be because they don't know enough about it. So I guess I, I'm intrigued to know um, or, or to ask if you have any tips as how to influence leaders who do perhaps have that more cynical view of psychological mm -hmm. safety. How can we bring them round? Mm. I don't have a silver bullet, certainly, on this, <laughs> but I'll give you some ideas of what I've thought about because Great. I think there are times where if you start to think that all you're doing is coercing that leader rather than gaining their commitment, yeah, it's never going to succeed. Okay. Yeah. So the first tip I have is to make sure that the leader 
understands their role in this is really important. Mm -hmm. They play a huge part in building and destroying psychological safety in the team. Mm. They're not the only force at work, but they're a crucial one. Yeah. And a crucial one, not only in terms of the behaviors that they're bringing, but what they're tolerating in terms of behaviors in the rest of the team. Sure. Yeah. Uh, and the other issue that we can run into is that leaders sometimes are the last to realize that there is an issue with psychological safety. Yeah. They, it can be because they've got the highest rank in the room, and so they've got the most power and are yeah. therefore less likely to feel the lack of psychological safety. Okay. But they also might not be aware of what impact they're having or mm. how much their intentions differ from that impact. Yeah. So in terms of tips, I suppose my main tip is to have a curious conversation with the leader who is perhaps cynical okay. to find out from them. So, hey, what's working well and what isn't? Yep. I might also ask them, you know, what's your ambition for the team? Sure. And what do you think you might need to change or let go of in order to realize that ambition? Hmm. I'd also want to try to identify what's driving the cynicism. Is it that they don't think it's their responsibility hmm. to the team? Or is it an issue that they maybe are having a hard time managing their own vulnerability yeah. and they just are trying to put up blockers because they don't want to go there? Yeah. So I would consider sharing with them some of the research if I think that would be helpful and mm. get us to start talking. But I might also share with them the Fearless Organization book that you're reading right now mm -hmm. or The Motive by Patrick Lencioni, okay. which gets someone to uncover what are their motivations for being a leader. And with both of those, I'd look at then discussing, okay, what messages did you hear? What spoke to you most? So mm -hmm. I know what are the open doors I could push on yeah, and the closed ones I need to probably leave alone in the short term. yeah. And that would also help me understand whether they are ready. Mm. The other tip I might have is I would give them maybe a few practical experiments to try so that they could see the impact for themselves. Yes. And I might also, I suppose, as a, a last thing, really strive to give them a clear view of the support they would receive from our team mm. throughout the work, you know, to make sure they know you will not be alone and yeah. we will be here to help. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That's absolutely amazing. And and thank you, because actually you've, you know, just by sharing some of those tips, I think you've given our listeners some takeaways already. And you've mentioned a couple of books, you know, that would be um particularly useful to to make reference to so um that that's absolutely wonderful and it does sound you know that the the, the buy-in is obviously critical the recognition from the leader that it's important is is critical the their their own self-awareness um yes. obviously plays a critical role in that you know i know that's a very a difficult one um you know particularly when somebody's seen themselves in a different way to how everyone else has seen them but there's some really kind of practical um, tips that you've shared um, with us that I think leaders can start to think about and using some of those questions actually to uncover, is my culture one of psychological safety? Yes. Oh, I'm so glad. Thank you. Well, um, Kate, I mean, as always, I could chat to you about um, this topic all day. I mean, it's, it's really fascinating. Um, and, you know, unfortunately, we, we don't get the opportunity to talk about it all day, but... I'd like to, you know, personally thank you for joining us today and for um, sharing your own journey of obviously becoming a fearless organisation practitioner and actually just, um, you know, sharing what that means for people in terms of the benefits of psychological safety in the workplace um, and how, you know, a few tips and, and how to start creating that culture. So thank you very much for your insight and wisdom today. You're welcome. Thanks for having me. Pleasure. 
So if this podcast has piqued your interest in the psychological safety offering at Remarkable, then please do get in touch at www.thisisremarkable.com. Thank you so much for tuning into our This Is Remarkable podcast today. It was great to have you with us and we hope you become a regular subscriber. And if we piqued your curiosity and you're interested in hearing more from Remarkable, then please do follow us on Twitter and LinkedIn, where you'll be able to access a broad range of interesting and diverse content. Or you might want to check us out at www.thisisremarkable.com, where you can subscribe to our regular newsletters. 